Hey guys, and thanks for tuning back into Morgellons discussion on Anchor. You know, to be honest with you, I really I want to shed the entire Morgellons uh, identity. I don't like it. I don't like being on YouTube for it, uh, on Facebook for it. It's hard to do because uh, people don't understand it and they don't want to understand it. I did make the crystal clear show, though, and that made me feel great because she sounds great, to be honest. I mean, she's a really talented voice actress. Um, But this is my show, and so I guess today I just want to run down a few things on the list, and uh, we're going to buzz out of here for the weekend. Uh, first thing I wanted to talk about is I got some, I got a chance to take a look at a podcast from my uh, um, prominent psychiatrist and uh, who's of the opinion that uh, Morgellons is simply a uh, uh, psychosomatic delusional state. <clears throat> and that's fine that people can uh, think that because I honestly believe that Probably nine out of ten people that doctors see uh, think they have Morgellons, but they don't understand what Morgellons actually is. And the problem with that is that Morgellons actually is something, and some people actually do have it. But if nobody knows what it is supposed to be actually, and it's considered nothing more than a delusional state because of a word, then it's never going to be taken seriously. And it's a hard, uh, it's a hard road for anybody to try to uh, take care of themselves without any support. And how can you support someone when you're under the impression that their problem is really just, all in their head. That's kind of hard to grasp also because when you say something is all in someone's head, uh, that implies that there's no reason that their head isn't working right. And there's a lot of reasons people's heads can't be working nominally, like stress is a huge one. But having infections that can Across the blood-brain barrier. And I'm not, you know, making this up. <clears throat> I've been on Twitter a lot of the day today when I wasn't mowing the lawn, uh, which I love doing. But the thing is, is uh, because I do have Lyme disease, I was bitten by ticks several times growing up, and I never got treatment for it because when my grandparents called the doctors, they said, don't worry about it. Lyme disease is only up in the Northeast. <clears throat> it's no big deal. I mean, honestly, I think I've had probably a good chance of having exposure to syphilis because all you got to do is rub up against the skin of somebody with it. If they got an open sore and you've got an open sore, you know, that's all it takes. I don't even know if it's got to be an open sore. Syphilis is very, very very infectious, but it can cross the blood brain barrier and make a person bat shit crazy. That's a reason. Yeah, it's all in their head, but they need an antibiotic. 
That's what they need. They need support. They need people who can understand that this can happen because of a reason. And that's my reason for getting on today. So when I was reviewing the podcast from the psychiatrist, he made a few claims and I'm glad because I want to have the opportunity to be able to address those in a logical and a reasonable manner. So one of them was that uh, Middleveen and Stricker were the only two people working on research and safely uh, working on Morgellons research, but that is not the case. There are researchers, yeah, admittedly only a few of them, but in Australia, Germany, and China who have accomplished research, which would demonstrate that yes, the body can make fibers, they can present embedded in skin tissue, and that's associated with an infectious process. So it's not like a group of people who believe they have Morgellons went out and got, you know, the scientists and said, you know, <laughs> we're going to give you this box load of money to uh, get this research peer-reviewed accepted and published in these prestigious journals and then indexed on uh, PubMed, <clears throat> you know, cause we want, we want our disease to be real. I don't think that's how science works. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but the studies that you're talking about, when you're talking about Raphael Stricker, they're on PubMed, which means they've been published in journals, they've been accepted after being rigorously scrutinized by a peer review panel before they get put in that journal. Those studies wouldn't be there. And if the data in the studies wasn't valid, wouldn't the journals have an ethical responsibility to retract them? Or redact them. I don't know how that works. I'm not a scientist, obviously. But I don't think it's fair to marginalize the research based on <clears throat> based on uh, the assumption that it's just a few local scientists collaborating to pull facts out of the air and present them as the truth. The other thing I wanted to talk about <clears throat> is, of course, syphilis. Because the CDC is saying that for every one Lyme disease patient that's been reported to them, there are four syphilis patients. That's just by the numbers. 33,000 Lyme disease patients and 120,000, 118,000 syphilis patients. Now, the research that has been accomplished on Morgellons, there, to the best of my knowledge, is no evidence of an association with syphilis. Now, the reason we know 
that there is an association with Lyme bacteria is because of a culture method. That's not a diagnostic uh, criteria established by the scientists themselves. It's a method for replicating bacteria in a Petri dish. That is what the scientists across the globe are doing to accomplish this research. There hasn't been a culture method for syphilis until recently. I mean, within, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the past five years or ten years, it's literally been that soon. And we haven't known as much about syphilis as we've known. All right, so having said that, I do think it's possible that syphilis can cause a more Morgellons-like condition. But that's just my belief. The facts are the only bacterial infection associated with the Morgellons condition is Lyme disease and tick-borne relapsing fever, which is also a Borrelia bacteria. So... I guess before I kick it out today, and sorry, I don't have a bunch of cool music and uh, I could sing you a song, but I'm not going to do that. <clears throat> we'll let that up to uh, my good friend, Crystal Clear. Um, and definitely check out her show. And uh, I don't know how the monetization works, but uh, we want to pick that up from cents into uh, dollars and then uh, maybe vacation money if we can do that. <clears throat> So uh, the last thing I wanted to uh, touch on is what people getting confused about what Morgellons is because of the media, because of people exploiting the term to sensationalize their own conspiracies. Morgellons is a whole lot of a whole lot of not of a lot of things, but In particular, it's the presence of filament fibers embedded in skin tissue. Now, I actually interviewed the assistant director of the Charles Holman Foundation, uh, Dr. Greg Smith, and he said, believe it or not, that some patients had been accused of injecting fibers into their skin. So, what that tells me, and what I learned from reading the uh, psychiatrist uh, podcast, is that, reading the transcript from his podcast, What I learned is that there is, um, uh, come on, Jay, what's the word? Um, a cognitive dissonance in regards to accepting that the Morgellons condition could even ever occur. And that is apparent when 
the best solution by the physician is to disregard any available research <coughs> on the topic and to make yourself believe that the patient must have injected fibers into their skin to come see you to get you to do something about it. That is a serious, because there, there is research which shows, yes, the, the strings are something. Uh, we know where they come from. They come from human skin tissue that's been infected with bacteria. And that bacteria is consistently found there. That doesn't mean it's causing it, obviously, but it does mean that these people have infections. And they need to be on antibiotics or something. Uh, you know, peptides, uh, phages. But if the bacteria can be cultured, and, and when I say they have infections, I mean, you can't culture bacteria out of thin air. Okay, you can't, you can't culture bacteria just from skin. There has to be bacteria in that skin that can be replicated in a culture. So, the evidence is, if a patient comes in with sores and itching and biting sensations, that could be syphilis. That would be my number one guess because I think there's a lot more people having unprotected sex than being bitten by ticks. I really do. And then, of course, knowing that there is research out there and knowing what that research says, then I would absolutely... I would absolutely have the impression that this could be a Lyme disease patient if they're presenting with really weird-looking microscopic string. And that's another thing people don't understand about the Morgellons. These aren't like shoestrings, you know. These are actually, the filaments are several times smaller than a human hair. Uh, they are really microscopic. And to be considered Morgellons, <clears throat> they have to be observed inside the skin tissue, embedded in the skin tissue. Once, once the fuzz comes off the skin, it can't be considered Morgellons because its origin can't be determined. And it has to be determined that that fuzz is growing out of a sore that has a lot of bacteria in it. And that bacteria can be cultured. We have the technology to do that now. The uh, and and the big question is okay. Well, J Jeremy, what about the syphilis and the Lyme tests? The syphilis and the Lyme tests are not reliable because they are antibody tests. Okay. Uh, my understanding is that those tests can often produce false positives. If, in one instance, uh, the prozone effect, if I'm not mistaken, is where the body produces so much antibodies against that infection uh, that it produces a false negative. 
syphilis and Lyme antibodies cross-react. My understanding is that syphilis will produce a false positive on a Lyme disease test, where the opposite is not often the case. I have seen some research where uh, Lyme disease, in the study they say, caused a false positive on a syphilis test. I'm not entirely certain that doesn't mean the patient had both. And being that we find, uh, you know, like Otzi the Iceman, 6,300-year-old ice mummy on top of the Italian Alps, he's got the Lyme disease. Yeah, if anybody, I would think that he would have the syphilis before the Lyme disease. But maybe I'm just wrong. What do you guys think? Hey, thanks for tuning in. Definitely want to thank Crystal for giving me that shout-out. Uh, I'm glad that we were able to connect. And I'm sorry that uh, you're suffering with it as well. Uh, it is a terrible affliction, but, uh, you know, I think helps on the way. I mean, change is always inevitable. And uh, uh, we definitely have a culture that's uh, that's intent on progress. All right. You guys take care. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. And uh, we'll see you soon.